Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? My name is Patrick Allen, and welcome into another edition of the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Joined, as always, by Matt Verderam, my co-host. Matt, how's your week going, man? Good. Finishing up work today, and then uh, watching the Titans and Colts on Thursday Night Football. Somebody's uh, going to be in first place at the end of that thing. Yeah, actually, a, a pretty decent game. We've had kind of a stretch of really not so good to watch primetime games. Yeah, no, it's actually a very good game. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And Titans win. They're up two in the, the division. Colts win. It's back to even. It can't be any worse no matter what happens in that Pats-Jets game, which uh, made me want to drink Clorox. That game was <laughs> absolutely bad. horrific. The Patriots are really, really not good. No, they're horrendous. And if they were anybody but the Patriots, people would be mocking them as like one of the worst five teams in the NFL. I, I kind of felt for the Jets. I mean, I know Jets fans want to get Trevor Lawrence, so they probably, most of them didn't care, but I thought they had that one, and uh, nope. They should have. Well, well, Joe Flacco had a revival there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just, uh, Matt and I were just talking before we started recording at, you know, we live in Chicago, so when you live in these big cities, God forbid you park on the street in the same spot for very long. Just had to, a little out of breath, had to, had to run downstairs and move my car before the street sweeper came or it was $75 ticket city. Not the way I want to end my week here. I've gotten many a ticket in Chicago, many. And <laughs> uh, never for the street sweeper, but I've gotten plenty for other things. You're out there in the in the burbs a little bit now uh, yep. since you bought your house and everything. Do, do you have to deal with that out there or is it not no. not an issue? I live in a – so where I live, it's basically a like a – I mean, I don't want to make this sound more high fluid than it is. When I say it's a community, I don't mean it's like an actual like a gated community, but it's kind of like a development. And so, uh, no, we don't, we don't have to deal with that. I mean, in the winter, you know, if, if you don't want your car to get plowed with the snow, then you might want to get it out of there. But – you know, we have a garage, so the car's always in the garage. So I, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. But did for a long time for all the years I lived in in Chicago. We're thinking about maybe, you know, selling our condo and, and getting a little more space as well. So we've been looking at places, and uh, yeah, garage is on the top of my list now that I have a car because uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to have to deal we, with that for very long. When we looked at the house, one of the things was we wanted an attached garage. And this house, even though we only have two cars, one for myself and for my wife, as it so happened, uh, it's a three-car garage. So we were like, well, when Maisie gets old enough, she's still parking outside because I'm going to put stuff in the other side of that garage. But at least there's the illusion for her that there's a third car for her to, you know, to slam the garage. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's life-changing, man. Like you live in the cold weather, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this live in Kansas City. People will understand there is very there are very few things that are worse than you're you're running either late or barely on time in the morning and you run outside in January and your car's in there four inches of ice and snow. And then even after you clear it off, you get in the cars and ice box all the way to work. Lived that life my whole my whole existence. Not anymore. That bad boy's in the garage. Yeah. Well, you know, and you're a parent, so when Maisie's yeah. old enough to drive, you, you need to instill a little bit of uh of humility and, and character in her. And so yeah, man, that car's got to be out there in that Chicago winter. She's got to go out with the scraper. She's got to yep. clean off the windows. All well, that she stuff. will right after she snow plows the driveway. <laughs> That's right. No, uh, don't get her a car. Don't get her one of those fancy cars either when, when she gets her first car. You know, make her get her a used car, you know, maybe 1984. She's the car I have uh, now. <laughs> okay. Well, that's I'm a nice serious. car. That's what you Yeah, It won't be then. That's right, it's true. Now. That's true. Yeah, it'll she's be a, a 2015 it, Jeep. Okay. But these kids, okay. these kids don't know, man. Like they, they get in these cars now, and they're they've got heated seats and all this crap, man. When we we're, you know, when we were growing up, my first car was like a 1981, like Ford hatchback, and I'm not, I'm 37, so like, like you know, my dad got it for like 800 bucks. It was a company car, right? And they sold it. It had like 200,000 miles on it. It stalled every time you got to a light, and it had like it didn't have power steering. I got really good at like turning corners, driving with one hand and like using my knee to like stop yep. the steering wheel and, and get myself another torque. But like that car, it would get so cold 
that the ice crystals would appear on the inside in the back of the hatchback. So I would have to climb into the back, back seat with the scraper and scrape off the, all the snow or the ice like film into the trunk. Like, yeah, that was, uh, that tough. was a car, man. I can't, yeah, I, I get, can't do that. I can't do that one any better. I, my first car and then we'll move to the chiefs. I know people are like, what are you guys talking about? The, uh, the 92 Chevy Caprice, which if you don't understand what that car looks like, it is a, it is a boat. The thing, it looks like a Lincoln Continental. We got it from my great uncle who passed away and left the car to my, my grandfather who didn't need it. And was like, here, you want a car? Here's a Chevy Caprice. And the good thing was I could have been hit by a Sherman tank and I don't think it would have dented that car. <laughs> right. um, but it had a crack in the manifold. So if you drove over 40, it started to tick. And the faster <laughs> you went, the louder it got. Yeah. So at 65, the car sounded like a machine gun. Um, and then the radio didn't work. So that was good. That was good. Had the bucket seats in the front. It was, uh, oh yeah. I, I let's just put it this way. Didn't get a lot of dates because of the car. If any day right. I got any date in high school, it was in spite of the vehicle. So, yeah, yeah good times. Good times. My old man. That we had a he had we had a Beetle that they from like the seventies that they were trying to sell when I was a little kid. I don't really remember it, but my, I remember my dad told me the story. You know, guy came over to look at the car. My dad put an ad in the classifieds. Guy comes over, he opens he opens the the driver's side door and he uh <laughs> he opens the driver's side door and he goes to sit in the car and his foot goes through the floor <laughs> into the driveway because the bottom had rusted out. <laughs> my dad looks down, the guy looks up at my dad, my dad says, So you want the car? <laughs> the guy says, Nope. <laughs> he just yeah. left after that. So I, I think they might have taken that one to the junkyard. That was a problem. That's a shame. Well, before we get into the Chiefs, let's, uh, you know, this is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We really appreciate y'all's reviews over at Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out if you can leave us a written review there. So I'm going to try something just based off this little fun conversation we had. If you listen this far, God bless you. Uh, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review if you haven't yet. And in that written review, tell us what was the make and model of your first car. Uh, what kind of crappy junker car, or if, if you were one of these fortunate people who, who, who grew up with a bunch of money, if you had a nice car, we'd like to hear about that too. So we can be better. I was going to say, keep it to yourself. <laughs> let us know. Let us know what car you had. Uh, we prefer it if you could do it in a review over at Apple Podcasts, and please review the podcast as well, of course. Uh, or you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen, and, and he is at, at Matt Verderam. Just let us know you the make and model of your first car. Tell us a little story about your first car. We'd, we'd love to hear that. It's the bye week. We got to keep ourselves entertained. There's nothing you know more entertaining than getting to tell all the stories about how how hard you had it growing up. All these kids <laughs> will never understand. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's get into the the podcast here. So we're going into the bye week. It's it's my least favorite week of the football season because there's there's no Chiefs football. It is nice to have a little bit of a break. You know, because you, you, you've got it all penciled in. You know what your weekends are going to be like. But yeah. it's still just sort of when you're watching all the games, at least for me, I get, I get a little sad and I don't get to watch the Chiefs. It's kind of a bummer. Do, do, you, do you feel that, Verderam, or do you, are you just like, ah, I don't have to worry about them this weekend. I'm going to take the bye week myself emotionally. You know, I got to say, when I was younger, I hated the bye week. Now I enjoy it because I, I get to sit back. First of all, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, most of you probably do. I work all day on Sunday. So while I'm watching the Chiefs, I'm, I'm trying to make sure, I, you know, the website doesn't go down the toilet. And so thank God for our good team. But, yeah, I mean, it's not. this will be nice to just kind of like sit down and just relax this Sunday. I can just watch whatever games I want to watch. Um, you know, because that's one thing that does drive you crazy, especially in my position. Like I'll, I'll watch all the games throughout the week on NFL Game Pass anyway, but I like watching them live. And like last, last Sunday, Kansas City plays Carolina. So, of course, I'm watching the Chiefs game. But at the same point, there are like other really good games at, at, in the noon window that I'd love to be able to see that I can't because I'm watching the Chiefs struggle with Teddy Bridgewater. And so it'll be nice this weekend. You got the Masters going on. You got all the games on Sunday. Like if the Chiefs had to have a bye week, this is perfect. I can watch the Masters. I can watch the football games. I can relax. I can get, I can get ahead on my work. So. I don't mind it. I actually, I actually like the bye week, especially when it's a little later in the year like it is. Like if the Chiefs had a week four bye, I would hate it. 
But once you get to like week eight, week nine, yeah, no, I, I like having the buy. It gives me a little chance to recharge my battery. I'm not a big golf guy, but did, Jesus, did you see that shot yesterday? That the practice shot, the guy put it across it? the lake. Yeah. yeah, get out of here. I, I Patrick Mahomes stuff out there. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Which, by the way, you know now Mahomes, he's got something to work on all off season. Right. Yeah, he'll probably. I'm sure he's probably a good golfer. Dude seems to be good at everything. Um, I'm a terrible golfer. Just absolutely miserable at it. Don't even try anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about. And by the way, I, I can't remember if I said this, uh, but you leave us those reviews, the, the, the whole car thing. We'll, we'll give you a prize. We're going to pick somebody. You're entered. We're going to give you a prize. You can give something away. I don't know what it is yet because I just came up with it on spot. I think I forgot to mention the most important part. Not just tell us about your car, but we're going to give, uh, you know, we'll, we give away a framed photo of Mahomes the other day. We'll, we'll give you something cool. We'll send to, not to everybody, but one of you will get it. Um, I think I, you know, not made of money here. All right, so let's talk about the Chiefs bye week. This is the time of year on the podcast in the first year that we're doing it that we like to give away some midseason awards. So we're going to run down some of those superlatives that that you, you're kind of used to for the whole NFL for the year. We're going to apply them to the Chiefs. So we've got kind of an interesting one-two punch here. I always thought, you know, the uh, team MVP, offensive player of the year, you know, it usually goes to the MVP usually goes to an offensive player. So sometimes you get people doubling up. It's kind of a weird situation. Yeah. Um, but we're going to start with team MVP. And I, my team MVP, look, we all know Patrick Mahomes is the team MVP, right? That, so I, I thought about just to put Mahomes in there because, of course, he's the most valuable player on the team. But I thought about the year and I want to go a little outside the box. So my team MVP for this year so far, first half of the year, Travis Kelsey. The man is absolutely possessed this season. He's always incredible. He's got 58 receptions, 769 yards, six touchdowns. He's third in the NFL in receiving yards. He's a tight end, by the way. He leads the NFL, and I found this out today, he leads the NFL in first downs with 42, which is just incredible and has been so huge for this team, moving the chains, keeping drives going. And he's th- this one blew my mind. He's second in the NFL in yards after the catch. Did you know that, Verderam? Before I, told I did. You that's today? a great stat. I did not know that. He like he so you know it's close with other players. The first is Alvin Kamara, who has like 200 more yards than Travis Kelsey because he's insane uh, in that offense. Um, but yeah, uh, Kelsey's just been unbelievable. So for me. First half of the year, one of the big reasons I think the Chiefs are, are eight and one. Obviously, yes, Mahomes is the MVP, but I'm going to give it to Travis Kelsey. I, I think if if Travis Kelsey's not on the field or he's injured or something, this team is not eight and one. I, I think they might have two, three losses. So everything you said is totally fair. And by the way, the reason Kamara is so many yards after catch compared to Kelsey is he catches the ball a yard downfield, where Kelsey's catching the ball ten yards downfield. So it's, sure. it really is unbelievable that Kelsey is is second in that category. I did go with Mahomes. I mean, I just feel like you have – first of all, I think he's the league MVP right now. So I I have to take him as a team MVP. He's got 2,687 passing yards. He's on pace for 4,777 yards. He's got 25 touchdowns right now, which puts him at 48. That's what he's on on pace for, I believe, unless I'm screwing that up in my head. But I believe he's on pace for 48. He has one interception and zero fumbles. I mean, that is – you couldn't do that if you fired up Madden and played nine games on rookie level, that's impossible. Like, look, there, there are numbers right now in the NFL that get so skewed. Um, you see these great touchdown to interception ratios from a lot of these guys because they don't take any chances. The ball never gets pushed down the field. Everything's dink and dunk. God forbid you ever have a turnover. Frankly, watching Ben Roethlisberger this year, you're like, wow, 18 touchdowns and four picks. Ben Roethlisberger never throws the ball more than three yards. The fact that he has four picks is alarming. Like, I don't even know how you manage that. He should, he should have zero picks. He never throws it anywhere. Mahomes throws the ball down the field all game and is throwing one pick. I, I, I get he's had a few dropped ones, you know, a couple in New England, whatever. Every, every quarterback does. To have 25 touchdowns and one pick. And to further the point beyond statistics, there are games with them where you watch. And like the, the past one, frankly, the last one they just played, he was 30 of 45 for like 372 and four touchdowns. And we both came on here on Sunday and we're like, yeah, he didn't even play that well. 
by his standards. Right, right. It's unbelievable. Like from yeah. like ninety five percent of quarterbacks, that'd be the best game they ever play. And it right. was like, yeah, he was pretty off in the first half, but he settled down. It, it's just he he gives them a chance to win every single game against anybody, anywhere, no matter how the rest of the team plays, because he's that dominant. To me, uh, he, he is my MVP. Again, not only are the Chiefs of the entire NFL right now. It's just – and it's not like he's throwing the ball, you know, 17 times a game, 20 times. He's not like putting – like Lamar Jackson, he'll come in, he'll throw the ball 16, 17 times in a game. Oh, look at my great interception to touchdown ratio. He's out there slinging it 30, 40 times a game in some cases. And it, it's yep. – and to your point about the, the dropped interceptions, it's all relative, right? Like everybody else has dropped interceptions too that they would be higher – you know, yeah, it'll even out over the course of the season, but it, to, to have one interception after after nine games is is insane in the NFL. And, as much as he throws it, and also to your point, like the average NFL quarterback this year throws the ball thirty five times a game, he's throwing it thirty times a game, so he's throwing the ball less than he ever has, and he's still putting up just insane numbers. That's efficiency, wow. that's talent. Uh, th- right now. They can beat you any way you want to play. You want to force the Chiefs to run the ball? Fine. You want to throw the ball against them and get into a shootout? Do it at your own risk. You want to play a game where the Chiefs got to beat you 23-20? to 20? They can do that too. Right now, they're the most complete team in football, and he's the best player in the league. All right, well, that takes us to Offensive Player of the Year, where we, we have flipped. Uh, yep. I, I went with Mahomes is the offensive player of the year. Again, I think either of these could have been flipped. Uh, we don't need to talk anymore about Mahomes. He's incredible. You went with Travis Kelsey. Uh, let's, yeah. let's hear your, uh, your uh, homage to Kelsey and his brilliance. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go a little bit more of a deep dive in this because we just talked about both these guys so much. Kelsey, for all the reasons you laid out to me, is the offensive player of the year for the Chiefs. Um, I don't even know if there's an argument. It's between Mahomes and Kelsey for these two things, one way or the other. Hills had a great year, by the way. Hills on pace for 16 touchdowns and 1,100 yards, and right. that's how great this offense is. Like, Edwards Hilaire is fourth in rushing yards. I believe he's second in yards from scrimmage. You have Kelsey, who's having the year he's having, Mahomes having the year he's having, and Hills on pace for 1,100 receiving yards and 16 touchdowns, and Edwards Hilaire and Hill didn't even get a mention in this. So, um, but look, with Kelsey – I don't think we understand or we talk about so much as, as how great he is historically. Tony Gonzalez is the outlier of outliers. He had 15,000 yards receiving in his career. He's sixth all time. It's absurd. He may never run in Corsat for a tight end. Okay. However, Kelsey's at 7,200 yards right now. He just turned 31 years old. He's about to have, unless he gets hurt, his fifth straight year of 1,000 yards, and it might be his best year ever. Okay. Tony Gonzalez is the only first ballot Hall of Fame tight end in NFL history. I believe that Kelsey will join him in that group. I do not think Kelsey will be second because there are some guys ahead of him. I think, you know, Gronk, Gates. I don't know that Witten's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I do think he'll be a Hall of Famer. But all those guys are going to come up for eligibility quicker than Kelsey will. However, look, right now there are only nine tight ends, period, in the Hall of Fame. And again, Gonzalez, the only first ballot guy. Right now, Kelsey, 7,200 yards. If he gets to 10,000, which seems like a pretty good bet, that will place him fifth all-time among tight ends. If he gets to 10,100, he passes Shannon Sharks. He'd be fourth. Right now, Gronk is only 1,000 yards ahead of Kelsey. Kelsey also has five Pro Bowl berths. He's going to be up. He could, he could retire right now, and he'd get his sixth. He's also going to be the first-team All-Pro. There's nobody even near him. Okay, Kittle's out. Ertz has been hurt. It's not even a conversation. Kelsey's going to make a first-team All-Pro team for the third time in his career. So six Pro Bowls, three All-Pros by the end of the year. Like He's starting to get – that's more than Winslow ever had. That's better than Ozzie Newsome. That's in Gronk territory now. I mean, you're starting to you – know, Witten had 11 Pro Bowls, but only two All-Pro teams. And I can tell you, I'm talking to a lot of Hall of Fame voters, all pro matters far more than, than, than pro Bowl. Also, Kelsey made the all-decade team for the 2010s along with Gronk. That's a huge deal. And he won a Super Bowl. And the other part of this, finally, is Kelsey has had huge moments in huge spots. 
He was a huge reason why they won the Super Bowl. He was incredible in the playoffs in the AFC, and then he you know, he had a touchdown catch in the Super Bowl. He was great in the game. As great as Antonio Gates and Ozzie Newsome and all those guys, what are their what are their Hall of Fame? What are their biggest moments? You know, Winslow had the eighty-one Orange Bowl game uh, in the playoffs against Miami. Newsom didn't have a game like that, unfortunately for him. Like, neither did Gates. Neither did Witten. Like, what are their like? Gronk has had those moments. Shannon Sharp has won those Super Bowls. He's had those. Kelsey's in that group. He's in that pantheon. I love Tony Gonzalez. To de- what is his moment? Good luck like, dunking it over the goalpost. He never got to a Super Bowl. And I'm not, look, that's not the fault of a lot of these guys. They just played on teams who weren't good enough to get there. They certainly were. But Kelsey also had the good fortune of being on a Super Bowl champion and a team that it looks like for the rest of his career is going to compete for one. So I think I think Kelsey, when it's all said and done, will be one of the two to three greatest tight ends of all time. I think he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I think we'll talk about him in the same way we talk about guys like, I don't know, Willie Lanier in Kansas City and and uh, Bobby Bell and Len Dawson and all those guys who won titles in Kansas City, um, who played their whole careers there, and who are the cream of the crop even by Hall of Fame standards. And he's and he's just now in his seventh season. Like he's halfway through his seventh season. Yeah, he's he's thirty one, but these guys can play for, and be productive for for a long time. He's he's certainly. Look, he's going to start to drop off at some point here, probably, right? But with all the weapons that the Chiefs have on offense and Mahomes, I mean, you could see him keeping up his prime numbers, 34, maybe even almost to 35, where you start to see maybe a more precipitous drop-off. How long do you think he keeps it going at this rate? At this rate, two to three more years, and I think he's just a guy who's going to threaten 1,000 yards for another three, three more years. Look, the reason Kelsey's so great is not because of his athleticism. It's because of the way he runs routes. He's wide open all the time. It's not an accident. Like, go watch Travis Kelsey's film. It's unbelievable. The guy runs routes better than any tight end I've ever seen. It's not an exaggeration. He gets himself open because he understands how to use leverage. He understands how to use his feet. He, he understands how to use his brain. And he's got this, like, telekinetic connection with Mahomes. I, I believe that Kelsey – look, right now, I said if he gets to 10,000, he would be – fifth all-time, and, and it's a touch over that fourth for tight ends. He's at 7,200 right now. He's probably going to be pretty damn close to 8,000 by the end of the year. I think there's a very reasonable chance Kelsey gets to 12,000, 13,000 yards. And I, I, I think that's totally within reason. The other thing with Kelsey, he had microfracture surgery on his knee his rookie year. Didn't play a game in 2013. He's missed one game since then. It was for a concussion. Like he plays. He plays every game. So if, if he can continue to do that, which is stuff that Witten and Gates also did and Gonzalez, and that's why those guys were able to put up those numbers. I mean, if he continues to do that, this idea of Gronk against Kelsey is not going to be an argument at the end of his career. Now, you may say, well, Gronk had a better peak. He was a great blocker, and that's fine. You could argue that all day long. But in terms of the totality of their careers, I, Gronk wasn't able to hold up. Kelsey has been. So, yeah, I think, I think probably two to three more years of, of this where he's just, you know, 100, yard, or 100 catches and you know, 1,300 yards. But I, I could see him playing around 36 years old where he's still catching, you know, 75 passes for 1,000 yards. I mean, he's just – he's not going to get any smaller and he's not going to get any dumber. His hands aren't going to work any less. So he'll get himself open and Mahomes will find him. Got to love Hall of Fame tight ends on the Chiefs. And he may yeah. also be retiring with two or three Super Bowls under his belt, which never hurts your case. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, On the other side, we're going to give away some more uh, awards and uh, we're going to get you some second half of the season predictions. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. All right, we are back. You're listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Let's move on. We've we've, we've handed out some offensive awards. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to let you go first on this one. Defensive player of the year, who do you got? So I thought about this because you could have gone a lot of ways here. You know, Clark doesn't have the great sack numbers, but he's been terrific. Same thing with Chris Jones, although Jones, considering he's an interior lineman, uh, yeah, he's got those numbers. I went with Tyron Matthew, and I went with him for a few reasons. So one is, first of all, his numbers, 42 tackles, two picks, a touchdown, fine numbers. I went with him because he quarterbacks the defense and he opens up the entire defense. They can do so many different things 
because of what they get from Tyron Matthew. He is the ultimate queen on the chessboard, much like Eric Berry was at his prime and his peak with Kansas City. You can, you can use Matthew to play corner. You can line him up one-on-one against a tight end or a back. He's a great blitzer. He's one of the smartest, most instinctual players I've ever seen. He's everywhere. I, to me, if I ju- my ultimate question to myself is if a guy went down with injury on the defense, who would be the biggest loss? And I, I really was torn between he, Jones, and Clark. But I, I just went with Matthew because I think without him, they lose their brain defensively. And I, I think that would be the biggest hit. His leadership too, right? I mean, he's out there. He's, he's yeah, the emotional leader of that defense. He gets everybody fired up. Keeps that secondary in check, and especially when you've got some younger guys running around the secondary with Snead and some of these other guys, he's incredible. I agree. He really does open up that defense for everybody else, and he opens up things for my current defensive player of the year. Got to go with him, Dirty Dan Sorensen. Has just been absolutely incredible. Uh, look, does he hold on to this mantle for me? Maybe the over the course of a whole year. Probably not. You, he's got some limitations. We saw some of those limitations last week against the Panthers. But f- through the first nine games, he's had a huge impact for this defense. He's just been out there making plays. He leads the team in tackles with 57. He has two interceptions, one which he returned, I think, 57 yards, something like that, pretty far. Um, he's got a touchdown. He has two forced fumbles, which we talked about on this podcast, of his knack for dislodging the ball, whether it be on special teams or on defense. And he's defended two passes. He's Mr. Right Place, Right Time. Understands this defense forwards and backwards. Is so important. Is another linebacker out there, but who can also drop into coverage and help out there. He's versatile. And he's smart. Makes heady plays all the time. I think this year, nobody's made a bigger impact with big plays than Dirty Dan Sorensen. So he's my defensive player of the year. So far. He's been, he's been terrific. Um, He's, he's the glue in a lot of ways for them. And he's a guy that I think it's overshadowed because of all the talent they have on the team. But Daniel Sorensen, it's not an accident that he's constantly around the football. And, you know, championship teams, yeah, they need the star power, and the Chiefs certainly have that. But they also need the guys who aren't going to ever make a Pro Bowl who aren't going to make an all-pro team, but when they're on the field, they're not going to make a mistake. You lose in the NFL far more than you win when you have guys who the other team can just target and exploit. And with Sorensen and guys like him, those guys can come out and play 30 snaps in a game. They can play 70 snaps in a game. You don't lose much. In fact, they played Sorensen more than they played Thornhill this year. And I think part of that is coming back to the knee, whatever. But part of that is because they know that they're not going to make any mistakes. Sorensen is one of the best tacklers I've ever seen. The guy never misses a tackle. And by the way, the Chiefs, uh, second in the league in missed tackles and not in a good way. So, like, that's a big thing for them. That's important. It's, it's, it's very critical to have guys like Dan Sorensen who can just come in, play any role. They give you that versatility, and he does that arguably better than anybody on the defense. Again, other than maybe Matthew, in my opinion, who can just play anywhere and do it at an elite level. But Sorensen can do a lot of different things. He can do it at a very high level as well. One of Matthew's favorite players in the team is Daniel Sorensen. There's a reason. He respects him. Yeah, that's right. He actually uh, called out the – not called out so much, but you know, tagged the Arrowhead Attic Twitter account a couple weeks ago when, when they right. wrote an article about how, just how incredible – Thornhill and, and Matthew are together. And Matthew was like, hey, man, don't forget about my boy Dan Sorensen. Don't make that mistake again. He's, it's a three-headed monster. And, he, and he's right. Like, they, they all work together as a unit. And Dirty Dan's a big part of that. We've been singing his praises all year. Hopefully, he has a big second half. And, and, and we know what he did in the playoffs for this team last year. Uh, that's where especially a guy like Dan Sorensen pays off. And, and, and other guys on this team that maybe you don't ever get a lot of glory. Damian Williams, his playoffs last year, right? Like right. That, th- those guys matter when you have all these stars. They, they can be the difference between losing the Super Bowl and winning it, and they were. Okay, let's go to the rookies. We'll go back to offense, offensive rookie of the year. I think this one was pretty obvious for both of us. We both went Clyde Edwards-Elair. He has 800 and 
10 total yards, three touchdowns. I just, you know, it's, I'm sure a lot of people, there were such high expectations for him coming in. He already has 810 total yards on this offense, right? On this offense where he's not the first or the second or the third option, right? And the team brought in Le'Veon Bell, who's eating into his carries a little bit. They're trying to get him up to speed. He's had an incredible rookie season. He's been great. Um, I I think there's just constant feeling of, well, you know, he's not getting consistent. Well, he doesn't get the ball consistently. Have you seen the Chiefs? Like, they don't don't need to do that. They they don't – they're not – they're not necessitated by, well, we've got to run the ball 25 times a game to win. They, no, they don't. They don't. Um, the Chiefs use Edwards Alaire as they have to in the run game, and he's been very, very good, by the way. Uh, he gives them another set of hands out of the backfield. Okay? He, he's a guy who, when all is said and done this season, is going to have well over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. I don't know how you how you argue with that. He's he's been fantastic. I mean, right now, look, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, the, the yardage leaders, all purpose yardage, okay. And I'm taking out special teams yardage, just just rushing, receiving. Alvin Kamara is number one. Dalvin Cook's two. Derrick Henry's three. Stephon Diggs is four. Three yards behind Stephon Diggs. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's fifth in the league. Okay, he, He's got 224 receiving yards, 586 yards rushing. There's a real shot that he has 1,000 yards rushing and 500 yards receiving as a rookie on a team where yeah. Kelsey and Hill and Watkins and Hardman all have to get the football. Like, that is ridiculous. And on top of that, he's averaging, I believe, four, four and a half yards a carry, 4.6 yards a carry. That's great. Like the, and and quite, let's also be real, too. The Chiefs are, are a very good offensive line. They're not great in run blocking. They have not been for years. So, yes, first of all, it's a no-brainer. These offensive rookie of the year. I don't know how, who else is even in competition with it. But he's been very good. I don't understand the slander of people who are like, well, he should be better than he is. What do you expect? I mean, he doesn't play on the Ravens. He's not going to get the ball 25 times a game. I think he's been excellent. I think he's done exactly what they were expecting him to do. And, and he's played in nine NFL games. He's taken over two of them and led the team to victory running yeah. football, yeah. right? That's incredible, like, especially on this team. That, so the Chiefs have shown, and I think this is the reason that they drafted him, is that they knew teams were going to want to play them this way. They, 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 they saw it happen with Damian Wilson last year. Teams were like, we're not scared of Damian Wilson. Go ahead, run the ball. We don't want to let Mahomes beat us. And, and when they've tried that, for the most part, the Chiefs are like, okay, well, here's Clyde Edwards-Elair. Have fun. See if you can tackle this guy. They can't bring him down. How many ta- times do you see teams trying to tackle this dude and they just have to run him out of bounds because there's four or five guys on him and they can't even get him on the ground? I mean, he's really, really impressive. I totally agree. I, he's, been, he's been great. And there, look, you know when his value is going to show up in the playoffs because there's going to come a game where teams employ that strategy of we're going to drop eight guys and you're going to have to beat us running the ball. And he can do it. So he, he has a lot of value, and a lot of it is even hidden value in the way the teams choose to defend them. If they didn't have a good running back, I think you'd see a lot more of that, hey, let's drop seven, let's drop eight. It, it, it is made harder by the fact that you have a guy who is fourth in the league in rushing and is averaging almost, you know, almost half of a first down per carry. It's really, really hard to just keep dropping guys when the, when the running back is turning everything into second and three. So – he adds a lot of value to them, much in the way that Kareem Hunt did before you know, he ended up obviously getting kicked off the table. And the exciting thing is he's only going to get better. The, the second yes. half of the season, the, the game is going to start to slow down for him a little bit. He's going to have a better grip. on. He's been playing in the offense for nine games. Like he's The vision, all of that stuff that takes a little bit of time to, for folks to catch up with, he's going to get better. So that should scare defenses and heart and cheese fans as we head into the second half of the season yeah oh no question well he's he's been very good and i i think that before it's all said and done he's going to have a big impact 
on on them, especially in January, when teams are challenging them to run the ball as they're doubling Kelsey and doubling Hill and doing everything imaginable to force the Chiefs into a situation where they have to run. Yeah, not an easy playbook to pick up either. So it's going to take a little bit of time. Let's move on to defense. And again, this is a very similar situation. Even though he only played three games, we both went with Legereus Sneed, who will be back after the bye week, uh, by on, it appears. Uh, talk a little bit about Legereus. So, yes, I, I report that I was first to, to do it. A, a few, not that it really matters, but a few weeks ago um, that Sneed, the Chiefs' expectation was he was getting close, that he, he, he should be back after the bye. They activated him off IR right before the bye. They didn't play in the game. I do expect him to play against the Raiders, barring a setback. Uh, my understanding is that's a Chiefs' expectation as well. Um, listen, he only played in three games, two games fully, and then he got hurt against the Ravens, but he had two picks, and he, he looked awesome. I, he was playing stride for stride, man on man, against good receivers with the Chargers and the Texans, and was not outmatched. But like, he was everywhere. And I remember talking to someone with the Chiefs during training camp, and I do this a lot, by the way, you know, during training camp, I'll reach out to a lot of different teams and just ask, hey, who, who's a guy who's really impressing you? Uh, you know, first, second-year kid. And the response I got back from Kansas City was, Lejari Sneed. He's going to start. He's going to play right away. Now, part of that was, if you remember, Breland was suspended the first four games of the year. So there was an opening, and they needed a body. But, but the person I spoke to with Kansas City was emphatic that Sneed was going to be good right away. They're like, no, you don't get, like, he's a fourth-round pick. But he is not going to play like that. He's going to be very, very good immediately. And he, and he lived up to it. Um, I think you've got to be thrilled with the way he played. And I think now coming back, that you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about their secondary here in a second. But that, to me, like that is a huge lift to a team that's already playing very good defensively. Now you get him to marry with Breland and Ward and Fenton, who's another guy, by the way, like a Sorensen, and it's no attention. Rashad Fenton's been awesome this season. So he has, yeah. It, it's, it, you're only going to add more talent to an already very talented group. But, yeah, only three games. You could have gone a couple ways with this. Because I got to say, one guy we didn't talk about at all, and I'll let you speak. I'm sorry for rambling. Tershawn Wharton has been great for them. Like, really, really, really good. Undrafted free agent rookie. And Wharton has come in, and he's done a hell of a job, man. I mean, he, he's been getting more and more snaps. Last three games, he's over, he's over 55% aggregate. Um, before that, he didn't have one game where he was over 55% of the snaps. Came close against New England. He's at 54.7. He's been really good. I'm really impressed by the way Wharton has played this year. Uh, I think he's, he's got to be mentioned. Maybe not the flashing numbers. But, man, he's been getting pressure. I know PFF loves him. They have him as the third-best defensive rookie in the front seven in, in football this year. So he's been, wow. he's been very good. Yeah, and that's how you stay on top when you have to start – when you've got a team yep. like the Chiefs and you have to start paying people as you find guys like that. That's fantastic to hear. I noticed that this morning looking at the stats as well. Yeah, Sneed's incredible. You know, he's tied for, he's tied for the team lead in interceptions. He only played three games. Yeah, if he if he's got that ball hawking in him, a little bit a little bit of that Marcus Peters, uh, that's that's going to be incredible. The Chiefs look Ward; these guys they get they get picks when they should, but they're I wouldn't call any Fenton Ward any of these guys ball hawks, right? Like in a right. sort of Ed Reed, you know, Marcus Peters style. We don't we don't have a, enough tape to know if that's how Snee's going to play or if he just you know he. He ended up with a couple of, of interceptions early, and that happens sometimes. But turnovers are – you turn the ball over against the Chiefs, you're done. Forget it. You're just you're, – you're finished. So yep. it, it, it's going to be really exciting to see him come back the second half of the season when the Chiefs are going to face some teams that can score the football. They're going to face the Raiders. They're going to face the Bucks, They're going to face the Falcons, the, the Saints, who are playing really well right now. So it's not going to be a cakewalk in the second half of the season getting Legereus Need back in the fold and getting him a warm-up game against the Raiders who, who will challenge the Chiefs vertically is going to be really important. I agree. I agree. The Chiefs, teams are going to have to beat Kansas City by not turning it over and getting chunk plays, and that's going to be very hard to do. We only saw one team do it, the Raiders. And it was because the Chiefs won a million coverages. And the Chiefs still would have won that game. They didn't take penalties or wiped off touchdowns. So 
it's it's very very hard to beat them okay we're going to take one more break on the other side we are going to hit up uh our biggest surprises and disappointments so far from the season and we're also going to give you some second half predictions this is the era at attic podcast All right, we are back. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Had our last break. So let's get into our second half. Uh, or let, Before we get to predictions, biggest surprise for you this year, Bergeron? So the biggest surprise for me <clears throat> is the cornerback play. We just talked about it, so I won't go really deep. But I, I think everybody this offseason kind of came into the year going, okay, well, what are we going to do with corner? Because Breland suspended the first four games. He'll be back. He's suspended. Shaverius Ward played well last season and at the end of his rookie year, but is not maybe a number one type corner. Um, Rashad Fenton played well down the stretch, but was a rookie who played limited time. And then there was this thought, like, oh my God, who the hell else do they have? Like, they, you know, Antonio Hamilton? Like that, that's not great. Like, what? Like, that, as it turns out, they're pretty damn good at corner. Like, Breland is a really, really good corner in this game. Ward's been the most inconsistent of any of them, but he's been solid for the most part. Snead has been awesome when he's played. Fenton, I can't remember the last time I looked at film or even just in a live game and said, man, Rashad Fenton really cost him there. Literally. I don't know that it's happened once this entire season. Rashad Fenton is not the guy who you're going to point to him. because He's the MVP of the team. He's not a big turnover guy. I can't think of one time this year Rashad Fenton's been out of position. Sure, it's happened, but I, I can't think of it. Um, they've just been phenomenal. They Here's a stat that I, I cannot remember where I saw it on Twitter. I apologize to whoever put it out there, although I'm sure most more than one person has. Kansas City is first in yards allowed to receivers, and by first, I mean they've permitted the fewest. That's incredible. When you consider how often teams have to throw the ball against them, that's not on average. That's total yardage to receivers. That's impossible. Teams are throwing the ball 40 times a game against Kansas City. And, they, and, no, and by the way, think, go, go, go back and think of the teams they've played. They've played some pretty good receivers. They're number one in the league. Oh, and by the way, Matt Bowen of ESPN, who does a great job, went through and figured out who plays what schemes the most. Nobody plays more cover zero, and it's not even close, than the Chiefs. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, cover zero is when you do not have any safety help. So you're blitzing, let's say there's seven, let's say there's uh, four receivers on the field for the offense. You're blitzing seven. So it's just man on man, no help. That's what cover zero is. A lot of times you'll see it when a team goes to empty and they have five receivers. So the Chiefs will blitz six. That is the ultimate compliment from Steve Spagnolo. Basically saying, I know my corners are so good that if we blitz every single extra body on the field, it doesn't matter. You're still not going to beat us. That's that combination. Fewest yards allowed to, to receivers. And they get they get the most cover zero blitzes of any team in the league. Just an, a remarkable job. And with one of their better corners, not really on the field so much this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. My my biggest surprise was the pass defense as well. I just did not see them being that good this year. I thought they'd be, you know, at, we we're hoping they'd be average, right? Like that's that's a couple of years ago. That's what we wanted out of the Chiefs defense was like, hey, please just give up twenty points a game, and we're going to go fourteen and two, right? Well, they're giving up about twenty points a game, and uh, and they're playing really well in a, in a number of areas. I mean, I'll tell you what when. When this season is over, if we're heading into next year and by the end of the year, Sneed's looking like a, a potential Pro Bowl player and Willie Gay is replacing Ben Neiman snaps, we're in good shape. I mean, they're in a really yeah. good shape for the future because the rest of that defense is pretty rock solid. The best thing about the Chiefs right now, other than Mahomes, who's always the best thing about the Chiefs, Brett Veach has just done a phenomenal job drafting. And like you said, that's so you continue to win because guys get expensive. Essentially, you're gonna or eventually you're gonna have to let guys leave. They get just too costly. Although the Chiefs have done an unbelievable job at keeping almost all their stars. Um, but Veach has done an amazing job at finding young talent that does not cost much. Guys that we've spent a lot of time talking about today, guys like Fenton. Guys like, you know, we didn't talk a lot about him today, but McCole Hardman, who I know some people feel like should do more. Listen, 
He's like the fourth option in the offense, and he's a pro bowler on special teams. He's fine. He's fine. Thornhill, who's done a very nice job. Guys like Wharton, guys like Ward, guys like Sneed. When you, you know, Allegretti, who's been good at guard this year for them, who's costing them nothing. Edwards Alaire, who's going to cost them nothing for the next three years of his career. When you find guys like that, at the rate the Chiefs are finding them, Willie Gay looks like he's going to be a player. Derek Nottie is going to eventually get expensive, but hasn't yet. Like, you're going to just be almost impossible to beat. When you combine all that young, cheap talent with all their, their talent that's high-priced, and the coaching staff, good luck. It, it's, been, uh, it's been an unbelievable tour de force by the front office. Okay, biggest disappointment that you've had so far this year? So I'm going to be brief with this because I really don't have many. They're eight and one. Um, I want to see Willie Gay on the field more. I, I do. You know, look, he's been a core special teamer for them. He's, he's played about two-thirds of their snaps on special teams, which is a perfectly normal thing. Obviously, he's a, a young linebacker with some speed. I got to see him on the field more often defensively. Here's his snap counts. 0, 6, 9, 25, 33, 3. 39-9-15. It's not enough. Like, if there's one weakness on the Chiefs, it's their linebackers. Hitchens is a solid player. Neiman is underwhelming. Damian Wilson is okay for what he does. Like, he's not great, but I don't, I don't have any, like, passionate dis- uh, you know, dislike of, of, of Wilson. Willie Gay pops every time he's on the field. And I get it. I know he's raw. I know that what the team felt when they drafted him, that he's got a lot of upside, but he was really, really raw. They could come along slower than the other guys. They knew that. They expected that. And I understand that part of the problem, and this, isn't, this part of this is not an inside thing, it's just my opinion, is that they're probably worried that he's going to blow some coverages, that they can't totally trust him. I know, you know, Spagnuolo talked at the Super Bowl last year about the one thing he loves about Ben Neiman is he, he know he's not going to blow a coverage or an assignment. I get all that. Willie Gay is by far the most athletic linebacker on the team. He can make plays that none of the rest of these guys can make. I am willing to live, and maybe the coaches aren't, and so here we are, but I am willing to live with a couple of blown assignments if, if he's all over the field. Like, I, I don't care. He's so talented that sometimes you have to live with that. Like that, No, I'm not saying he's going to be Lawrence Taylor, but a quick aside. When Lawrence Taylor was a young player with the Giants, they were playing the St. Louis Cardinals once. Lawrence Taylor on third down, blitzed the quarterback, Neil Lomax, threw him down for like a 10-yard loss, gets off the field. Comes off the field, their head coach at the time, Bill Parcells, says, what the hell were you doing? You weren't even supposed to be doing it. You're supposed to be dropping. You don't even know what the play was. Taylor's like, I'm sorry. I screwed up. You know what? I'll I'll fix it. Next series, third down, screws it up again. Blitzes. This time, forces a fumble, picks it up, runs 50 yards for a touchdown. Comes off the field, Parcells again. Gives him a look. Taylor's like, I, I did it again, right? And he's like, you did it again. You don't even know the playbook. We don't even have that call. And Taylor looked at him and said, well, maybe you ought to put it in. It's a great one. Like, <laughs> look, my point is when you're talented, and Gay is not Lawrence Taylor, but when you're talented, even sometimes if you screw up, you're, you might just end up in the right place. You might be able to correct the mistake because you're just so talented. Gay is the most talented guy they have at linebacker. They should play him more. Look, he starts blowing a lot of assignments. He starts really hurting him. Fine, take him off the field. But give the kid a shot because right now, that is to me their biggest weakness, and that kid has the opportunity to erase a lot of that weakness. Yeah, he sure does, especially with running backs coming out of the backfield, teams throwing them the ball. I get it. I mean, the Chiefs are looking at it, and they're like, we don't have to – have these mistakes right we don't have to put this guy in we're right. good enough right but you're right like he he needs the experience and uh, you know hopefully maybe is that they have increased his snap count so he must be doing something right he must be showing them that he's got a good grip on the playbook maybe as the season goes on we see more and more Willie Gay I hope so my biggest disappointment is Harrison Bucker just I, I know he single-handedly won them a game earlier this year but I've just, he's just been a disappointment. It was an unexpected development that Harrison Butker would start missing extra points and miss eight of them in the course of a nine game stretch. He's got to get it together. We're not going to, I'm not going to hammer him anymore. We still think he's a great kicker, but he's far and away been the biggest surprise disappointment for me heading into the second half of the season. 
Yeah, he's not been good. Uh, yeah, he won in the Chargers game. Kudos to him for that. He was unbelievable. Um, he's not been good. He keeps missing extra points. And I, I don't care. I know there's like some, <laughs> some thought, at least there was yesterday on Twitter, that right. it doesn't matter if extra you miss points extra don't matter. points. Yeah, listen, I got to tell you, it matters. And I, I can guarantee you the Chiefs think it matters. Like, you need to be hitting your extra – this idea that, like, well, those are so dominant that it doesn't matter. Yeah, it matters. Okay? They're going to get into a game where he's going to miss an extra point and it's going to cost him. And, oh, by the way, it was almost Sunday. So, I still believe in Butker. I think it's mental, which kind of scares me, honestly, because that, that can be harder than a physical issue. But he's got to get right. Like, if he doesn't – if this goes on past the bye week, I do think genuinely they need to start bringing people in. Like, they need to – you can't – you cannot go into the playoffs with a kicker who can't hit an extra point. I mean, the good news is he's still hitting all of his field goals by and large. So I feel at least confident that, that physically he's fine. He still has the leg. But look, they're going to come out of the bye and go play the Raiders in a dome. There's not going to be any wind. It's going to be on turf. He better not miss a kick. Okay? I don't care. I don't care what the reasoning is. Like, well, he just missed to the – who cares? Hit it. Your job as a kicker is to make your kicks. If you don't do that, you're worthless. So he needs, he needs to step up. Yeah, he certainly does, and we're not trying to hate on him, but yeah, this, this, this narrative that we saw yesterday, some people that, that extra points aren't a big deal. and I mean, come on, this is the NFL. This is the NFL. I don't care how dominant the Chiefs are, how good the offense is. It all matters. You're going to have a lot of games every season that you barely win against good teams, against bad teams. It's just going to happen. Team like the Dolphins, they're playing, they're playing really good football. The Chiefs have to play them second half of the season. You don't think that that could come down to a one-score game where, where the Chiefs are up six and the Dolphins have the, the ball at the end of the game and they end up losing because Bucker missed an extra point or the Bucks or the Saints with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas back in the fold? Get out of here, man. We need every point we can get. I don't care how good the team is. So Bucker, a great kicker. Just spend the bye week getting your head right. Focus more on those extra points. Do whatever you got to do. But you're right, Vertoram. He's got to start hitting them. All right. Second half predictions. We'll start with you again. Give me a couple of things that you see happening during the second half of the year. Okay. Rapid fire. I think the Chiefs will finish 14-2. and two. I think they're going to split against Tampa and New Orleans. I think they beat everybody else. I think that's good enough for the one seed. If they go 14-2, and two, Pittsburgh's going to have to go 15-1 and one because the Chiefs are going to beat them out in a tiebreaker. So, uh, and, and by the way, almost certainly a tiebreaker. There are some weird scenarios, but the Chiefs would have a very good position, especially if one, that loss comes to the NFC. Um, I think they will be the one seed. The Steelers are going to lose some games. Um, I have full faith in Kansas City to get the 14 wins. Also, I think Mahomes will get the 50 touchdowns. I do. Uh, they do not play a lot of great defenses. Miami's defense is good, but they're very blitz-reliant. I can see the Chiefs torching them. The Raiders' defense is not good. The Broncos are a good defense, but it's at home on a Sunday night. The Falcons' defense is atrocious. Let me tell you something right now. If Mahomes is like 42 touchdowns going into that game, he's going to try to throw for five or six of them. Uh, you know, the, the Bucks can be beaten defensively. They blitz a ton. The Saints aren't good defensively. I think Mahomes is going to get to 50. I do. I think he's going to do it for the second time in three years. And then a quick little side fun prediction. I think the Chiefs against the Raiders next Sunday is going to be a full-on bloodletting like you haven't seen yet this year. God, I hope so. That is, that is my – and that, that's not even like a biased emotional – that is an opinion based off of it's the only thing they lost to. The Raiders took a victory lap around the stadium. I, I think you are going to see an unbelievably motivated Chiefs team off a of bye week Coming to play the Raiders on, and by the way, in case you don't know, that's on Sunday night football. That is nationally televised. Kansas City has all the incentive in the world to go in there and blast them out of the building. I think the Chiefs are going to do unholy things to the Raiders in that game. I think that's <laughs> going to be the kind of game that about midway through the second quarter, you're like, oh, this is over. This yeah. is like they are you're going to see Andy pull out a half dozen plays we've never seen. That kind that kind of a game. I think the Chiefs will roll them in a very redemptive fashion. That often happens. I mean, we've seen that with the Patriots over the years and some of these other dominant teams where some upstart team will, you know, it happens. It's the NFL. Some upstart team yep. gets them. And then that next game, 
<laughs> these are teams that are not accustomed to losing very often, and they're certainly not accustomed to getting – I don't want to say they got blown out by the Raiders, but they lost pretty handedly. The Raiders really put it on them uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So I think we'll see – don't forget about the defense too. The defense has got to be pissed off that they gave up that many points and those oh, many, yeah. that many big plays. So oh, yeah. look out. Look out, Derek Carr. It might not be a cakewalk. The, the Raiders are a good team. We're not, I mean, you know, we don't like the Raiders, but we're not here to just trash Raiders. It's, they're not as good as the Chiefs. I'm here to trash them. The Chiefs are going to beat them by 30 <laughs> points. I'm, I hope like, so. I, look, I've watched a lot of football over the course of my life, as of you, as of probably most people listening. That game screams the Chiefs healthy, rested, in a dome on prime time off a bye against a team that disrespect. It's not even that they lost to them. They disrespected them. That is going to be the, the mindset. And if you don't think, look, you don't think Eric Bannemi and Andy Reid are going to be talking about that all week. These guys, they, they mocked you. They laughed at you. You're going to take that? You're going to take that line? I, I guarantee you. And Andy's friends with John Gruden. They coach together in Green Bay. This is going to be one of these, like, you know, we're, we're buddies. We're cool. But, like, you, you like to rub it in my face a little bit? Cool. I like to rub it in yours. Here's 55 points down the throat. Here it comes. <laughs> and everybody knows you don't mess with Andy Reid off of a bye week. So this is going to be interesting. All right, my predictions, and I think we may see it in this Raiders game. I think Le'Veon Bell finishes with 40 receptions for 400 yards. And I think this, and I know it doesn't seem like it since he's been with the team, but you got to understand. The dude came over. He was with another team. It's Andy Reid's playbook. Mahomes is back. Their protections are really important. They're given preference to Clyde Edwards-Elair, which they should, right? There's, there's a lot of things that were working against Le'Veon Bell coming in and just tearing it up right away. I mean, we thought he might have a big game against the Jets. But now Andy's got some time to sit. Andy didn't – his playbook was not designed for a guy like Le'Veon Bell, right? They didn't have anybody like that. So – now Andy, who we know is a master of screen passes, who had guys like Brian Westbrook, he's going to sit down and he's going to drop some plays just for Le'Veon Bell, some packages for Le'Veon Bell that he's going to put in and maybe he's used in the past. And Le'Veon Bell is going to probably be doing a lot of studying over the bye week. And I would not be surprised if when they come back in the second half of the season, he starts working in more of that screen game with Le'Veon Bell, bring him in as a third down running back, and I just I see him having maybe a really, really big second half, catching the ball in particular, not maybe necessarily running it. I think most of those carries go to Elaire. Could you see that happening, Verdram? Yeah, I could see that. I could see Bell having a having a bigger half. I mean, I, I think if he has four hundred receiving yards, that'd be incredible. But I, I think he's gonna have a bigger role, you know, now that they've had a couple of weeks to kind of integrate him. Um and he's the kind of guy, look, they brought him in to be a backup running back and to, and to play second fiddle, play play about a third of the snaps. Keep in mind when they brought him in. I mean, he's been there for three games. They have not run the ball a lot. They just haven't right. done it. Like they just they haven't had to. The Jets in their infinite wisdom were like, "Yeah, that's great. Throw it." Okay. So you know, I mean, it's just been one of those things. I mean, the Panthers they they were throwing the ball like crazy with success. They didn't have to run the ball. Yeah, I definitely think there's going to be some games in here where, where and we'll see the. There might be the Raiders game where the the Raiders play like they played in Week Five and they just back off and they basically say we're going to try to force you to run the ball. And the Chiefs admitted after that game, that, hey, you know what? We didn't play the way we should have played. We didn't take the run as much as we should have. I would expect that, given the opportunity, they will do so this time around. I agree. I think it's going to be the Le'Veon Bell show in the second half of the season. It's a bold prediction, to be sure, but I just think Andy's too creative of a play caller to not be really making use of this extra talent that he's added to the team. And he's He's going to find a way to do it. And I just think that over the course of the rest of the season, the Chiefs are going to need to score points. They're going to probably get into some shootouts with some of these teams who we know can move the football. And I think that's where Le'Veon Bell has a couple really big games where he just, you know, Andy runs some kind of crazy screen and he busts off a couple of big, big runs and, 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 and racks up the yardage. All right, my last prediction. I've got the Chiefs going 13-3. and three. I do think they're going to lose a couple going down the stretch here. I think they're going to get the two seed. I hope I'm wrong. I hope to finish 15-1 and one or 14-2. and two. But 13-3 and three seems realistic to me. Injuries might happen. Knock on wood that they don't. And I think they're going to get the two seed if they go 13-3 and because I just think Pittsburgh's schedule is a cakewalk and they're really well coached. And even though Roethlisberger – who knows? Maybe they get exposed in the second half of the season and they lose a couple of games – 
but I could see the Chiefs getting the two seed if they go 13 and three, because I honestly could see Pittsburgh going 14 and two being undefeated at this point. All right, we did it. Uh, we've got your uh, halfway mark, a little past the halfway mark, nine games in, episode in the books. Just a reminder that if you hit us up with a review on Apple Podcasts or on Twitter and let us know the make and model of your first car, tell us a little story about your first car, you will be entered into our new contest and we will be giving somebody a prize. So please make sure you do that. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google we're on Amazon Music, everywhere you get your podcast. Leave us reviews. You guys are the best. And please make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at rpatrickallen. He is at, at Matt Verderam. Make sure you follow the lead expert over at Arrowhead Addict, at Matt Connor AA. And of course, follow at Arrowhead Addict. And finally, we will be back for you. Uh, we won't be back on Sunday, but we'll be back this time next week to preview the Chiefs Raiders game. We'll get you all fired up and ready for that. And, you know, maybe there'll be a bonus episode if there's any news over the bye week, but hopefully it's uh it's quiet. Nobody gets COVID. Nothing bad happens. None of that none of that bye week stuff that can sometimes come up and, and snake bite teams. All right. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. And as always, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.